0: What's going on everybody welcome back to prescribing truth uh, i'm jamal bandy if you happen to watch if you happen to be watching this on youtube please uh subscribe if you haven't already Um, share this video if you if you like to um, we're going to talk about some some good stuff stuff that needs to be talked about um if you listen to any podcast apps please remember to leave a rating and a review this really helps out the show if you want to contact me chop it up with me whatnot. you can contact me at 801-980-6333 you can email me at prescribe.truth at gmail.com. Also follow us on Facebook and all that kind of good stuff. It's in the description. If you want to support the show financially for only just a dollar, it goes a long way. You can take part in the pre-show, be a part of the after-show, and everything else for just a dollar and some other good stuff, quarterly rewards. Um, what else? Got I got a care package on there. You check it out. I'm a patron. It's down at the bottom and scrolling, and it's also in the description. We greatly appreciate it. If not. I appreciate your prayers. Please continue to pray for this ministry. All right. Today, we're going to continue um, this response to uh, Dr. Eric Mason's interview on the Jew 3 Project. Um, Last week was tough to get through. That was eight minutes. Um, I don't think that I'll be dealing with eight minutes today. Um, Probably a couple minutes of it because there's a lot we want to cover. Uh, um, A couple of scriptures we're going to touch on as well as we play this if you have comments anything like that please comment please comment um, if there's questions then i'll save a time at the end to answer questions or to respond to any kind of criticism or whatnot that's cool all right so without wasting any further time let's just jump into it okay all right so um here's a video we're gonna kind of I'll go a few seconds back from where we left off just to give context and to move forward, um, like last time, um, I'll be stopping throughout this um, to comment on it. And also, when we put up the scriptures, I'm going to try to have the scriptures showed up at the side as well. Hopefully I don't forget. Alright? So let's let's get it. Alright, so here we go.
1: But as soon as I say racial injustice, now that's not, no, there's no such thing as race. And I'm like, what are you talking about? So so again, the, the word "woke" is so important. I love the word. I think it's an amazing, amazing word that describes what we can practically be for the world. Yeah, mm-hmm. taking some of the culture and pointing them to to Christ is what Paul did at Mars Hill with the unknown God. Yes, ma'am.
0: Okay, first thing I want to stop right in the beginning. No, that is not what Paul did at Mars Hill. That is not what he did. Um, what Eric Mason has done is he. Claims in his book that he redeemed it. And I did a video on this. You can check it out. But he claims that he redeemed the word woke. But that's not what he did. He basically took the word woke from what the culture says and basically just put Christ on it. That's not what Paul did at Areopagus. What Paul did was he totally destroyed their idea of an unknown God. Totally destroyed it. Like, no, God is not unknown. He's known. Matter of fact, you know him. You deny him. That's I mean that's what Paul did. I want to look at Acts 2 real quick. I'm read that. She made the statement. He said okay, he said exactly and all that. So he agrees. Let's look at that. Is that what the Bible says concerning what Paul did in Mars Hill? Alright, so Acts 17, 2. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he give himself. Um, so he, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined a in periods and the boundaries of their dwelling. It doesn't seem. It doesn't seem to me that Paul here took the what was known to the culture and. How the culture used unknown God with that inscription and just basically put Christ on it. Like, no, he completely let them know he is not unknown. He told them who God is. Because if God is unknown, then how does Paul have this knowledge about him? He completely destroyed the idea. Now, if um, Eric Mason was using woke in this way, well, then he would go to those uh, secular people who are using the term woke. And let them know, hey, what you call woke, let me tell you what is truly woke, being alive in Christ. Something along, that, along those lines. You know. But that's not what he did. He took this double consciousness, right, from his book, and he basically said, hey, I want to add a third consciousness. So you're adding to it, not redoing it. If that makes sense, I hope you get that. So no, that's, that is not what he did there. So we wanted to spell that immediately, all right, let's go back to the video um, yes, so that's essentially
1: what you're doing um when when we think about uh just the social injustice that's happening um in our country, how can the black church uh or churches that seek to empower uh the african American community um be engaged? <laughs> Well, wow. I think one of the things that um, the, I, I love the black church. I'm a product of the black church. I do keep hearing from the unredeemed woke crowd that they feel like for them, the black church isn't as engaged in the plight of black dignity as it was f- over 40 years ago.
0: Okay. Where do I begin? All right. One. I know it was, we're supposed to be engaged in our communities, right? But God said in his word that the wisdom of the world is foolish, that only in Christ is truth, okay? Why in the world do we listen to one unredeemed, quote-unquote woke, these people who are built on conspiracies which the Bible tells us not to get into conspiracies, but based on all of that, and and depending on their word as far as what is actually going on, if we listen and we can hear, but why are we taking that into account as if it's actually true? Okay, going into the plight of the black man as it was 40 years ago, once again, I mentioned this in my last video. Last week, there was legislation in place, people. It, it wasn't that people had a feeling of systemic injustice. It was actually systemic injustice that was going on. There was a plight because black people were actually seen as property, less than human. And it, ref- and it was reflected in the laws. That's not today. That is not today. Are there racist people? Yeah. We live in a fallen world. What are you looking for the government to do with that? What laws, what what other laws need to be placed in order to change that? If you have a racist employer and he won't hire you because you're black. What in the world is the government going to do with that? Nothing. Got to find somewhere else to work. Because at the end of the day, an employer has the right to hire who they want to hire. You can't do anything about that. But is there policy, laws in place that says, don't hire the blacks? If you, if you see a black person come up a little bit, bring them back down. Don't loan to blacks. Where, you, where do you have that at? It's not there. So it's not a systemic issue. And therefore, the plight of black people is not what's going on today because there are blacks who are rising. And a lot. Not, Not a few, but a lot of black people are coming up. A lot of them. Another thing. We can acknowledge that because of what happened in the past, there's residue, you know, so there are things we're dealing with today as a result of what happened years ago. We can acknowledge that. I don't think anybody would deny that. But to actively say there are people actively putting things in place in order to systemically keep you down is false. It's false, guys. And it gives people an excuse to make excuses for why they won't do what they need to do in their life. Make better decisions. That's that's it. And on top of that, what do we do with God's sovereignty? Now, some people... I find it's very consistent for those who doesn't hold to um, election and predestination and all that. I find it very consistent for them to have a problem with all these things and to make the claims they do. I don't find it consistent for those who plan to be reformed. And then you're talking about people having this, this power to just do things to people and, and basically make the black life harder and all that kind of stuff like that, where God is in control of all things. I mean, I don't understand. We've got to be consistent. So, no, 40 years ago, yes. Today, no. But he brought up justice about other things. There is legislation that says it's okay to murder babies. It is. You know, I mean that's a systemic issue. So, yes, yes, we go against abortion because there the law needs to be changed. Now, would a law change the heart? No. A woman can get pregnant with a child, and if she really hates the fact that she got a baby in her womb she can cause herself to miscarriage. I mean, that's just the truth of it. It's wicked, it's wrong, but it's the truth. So no, if you change the laws concerning abortion, no, it won't change the heart of individuals who wants to kill their baby. But that's a step. Just like there laws would change concerning slavery and everything else, yet it's still racist. You know, I mean, that's just the truth. Nathan says people got abortions before legal. Yeah, that is true. I researched that. That is true. So it won't change, it won't change their hearts. So what are we really looking for? What's the solution? Won't get an answer to that. All right. Said so, <laughs> it won't be much of this video being played. All right, here we go. Um,
1: and I think there's some ways that we could probably own that. And I I would say a lot of ways we can own that. One of the things that I think is just very, very important. Is uh, we we have to return to knowing our communities again. I think that there are a lot of pastors cross ethnically that um, really we've a lot of churches nowadays built their their stuff more on getting sheep from other churches until we get desperate and then we do evangelism because we want to get people, not because of the mission of the Great Commission.
0: All right, that was a lot said there. All right, so working backwards. What is the big deal if someone's in a false church being taught heretical doctrines and you witness to them, share the truth of the gospel to them, and they come to your church instead? I mean, wouldn't they still be considered lost? I mean, even though they're in church, even though they're in a church, they still would be considered lost. They don't, if they're not born again, they're lost. And then they hear the gospel and they just happen to follow you to your church or whatever the case may be. Praise God. Why do you make that seem like it's a belittled thing, like it's not as important as going on the street? Evangelism is evangelism. What do you think Paul and them was doing too? They went to the synagogues. You know, they went to synagogues. They went to people who were in a temple worshiping and telling them the truth about Christ. As well as talking to the beggar on the street and going to the Gentile. They did those things as well. I, I don't get it. You don't know, why belittle that? Oh man, like, that was another that part I wanted to touch on But that right there kind of got me That's my listen to it I just don't understand that You know, like oh They, they, you know, they want to get sheep from other churches If they're sheep, guess what Christ wants them out of those other places And into his church That's what Christ wants He says his sheep know his voice So we're looking for sheep We are, we're looking for God's elect We, we don't know who they are I can't. I can't tell who they are, but I, I proclaim the gospel, and I pray that their hearts be changed. They come to the knowledge of the truth, and they repent of their sins, and put their trust in Christ. Whether they come from somebody else's church or they come from the corner, either way, God is glorified. Now I know He knows this. I know He knows this. But because He's trying to push His narrative, He puts it, He puts a dim light on it, and I don't like that. I don't like that. That's my preference. Like I said. You, some of you guys may say that I'm being nitpicky with all this stuff. That's fine. You're welcome to your criticism. But this, I find this problematic because people listen to this and be like, so right. You try to focus on witnessing people out of these bad churches instead of going on the street. No. If somebody goes to the street and if somebody goes to the churches that are bad, God is glorified. Witnesses still happen. Evangelism is still happening. What's the problem? We're all one body. Many members, one body, doing different things. Nobody has the same function. Nobody has the same purpose. Really? I don't get it. All right, let's go. There's
1: something else I want to touch on, but I forgot now. I'm going to go on. I got on attention. tangent. That's cross ethically. That's not just the black. I'm just talking about everybody. So I think, I think one of the things, you know, one of the things I talk about in my book about, you know, engaging the issues that are going on in our day. As I start with being aware, I think our awareness isn't the same or we become apathetic in our awareness. And so I think a big a big part of the church being re-engaged. Wait a minute. Awareness of what? And I know what I want to touch
0: about earlier. He said engaging your communities, getting to know your communities again. You're supposed to, as a Christian, you should want to engage people. Let's get that out of the way. You should want to go engage people with the truth of the gospel, especially those that you know are not saved. You should want to go. Your heart should be beating for those lost souls, for them to know Christ. That is a no-brainer. All right? Whatever, your, whatever communities you have in your city, you, know, you should be aware of that, what's going on with them as far as they need to know Christ. But what is he talking about as far as being aware of and as far as getting to know them, not being there, all that kind of stuff like that? He's talking about the issues they have concerning where they are in life. Not so much as their soul, because if that was the case, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Because we're talking about social injustice. It's just not talking about the fact that it's unjust that these people don't know Christ. We're talking about it's unjust how they are living. You know, the fact that they don't have as much money as they could have and so on and so forth. And so we should be aware of these things, and we should be trying to get to know their problems with these things and so on and so forth. That is the thing. And that's fine. That is fine. Because when you do life with someone, especially if you're witnessing someone, you're walking alongside them, you're going to do life with them. You're going to share the gospel with them as well as sometimes using your means. You know, whatever the Lord places on your heart, that's what's going to happen. I mean, you should be wanting to be charitable, Right. But this is not the issue of social justice or woke in a sense. We're talking about the government being involved. That's the whole thing. So we uh, we have that, all right. So uh being aware of their status quo, and then what? What can we do? Then what are we going to do? And is it and is it one of the things? And this is what happened in this book. Is it one of the things where it's you may not be a Christian if you. Just don't happen to give and make sure they come out of their, their rut. That's not what we're called to do. We can. We're called, to, we're called to be charitable and all those things. But I don't. I can't. call If somebody's poor, I don't have the means to make them rich. And I don't have the means to bring them out of their poverty. What I can do is I can walk alongside them and help them to see, okay, do they try to get a job? Um, help them with the resume. Maybe give them a nice shirt or something to get them wear to interview. I mean, these things I can do. I can only help them along the way. And that's what we should do as a Christian anyway. Because we love our neighbor. Being aware of status quo, what are we going to
1: do about it? Let's continue. Age and issues in the culture is, is, is being aware and caring about what you find in your awareness. Because I think a lot of us would know that there's racism, particularly the black church. But the question is, have we become apathetic in the struggle and basically like, hey, we're just gonna have revivals. We're just gonna have conferences. We're just gonna build buildings, and we'll we'll build a school. We'll we'll do a food pantry. We'll we'll, we'll do. But I don't know. If we're gonna say we're, now we're gonna speak prophetically to the systems and begin to engage it. Now, one of the things. All right, see that. Eugene often says,
0: "Nope." He knows people. He knows people would acknowledge that racism exists. So I'm glad we have that. He does acknowledge that people do know. That racism exists, but he says, "Well, what do we do about that? I mean, we'll have conferences, we'll have revivals, we'll build schools, and we'll do all these things, we'll do a food pantry, and all that kind of stuff, but we're not going to speak prophetically to the systems, or will we speak prophetically to the systems? The issue is, we don't agree that it's a system. It's an individual issue. <laughs> If it was a system, then we'd be dealing with it, just like it was 40 years ago, just like it is currently with abortion. We'd be dealing with it. You know, I mean, but it's not, that's not the case. Show me, show me someone who has a policy where they can't, where it's not to hire black people. I'll be alongside you. I'll be alongside you to go and protest that and to speak against that. Called him to repentance the whole company the whole kit and caboodle. I'll be with you. But that's not the case Show me uh, He won't gonna, he gonna bring up loans later on. I'm gonna kind of speak ahead of that show me a policy That forbids for a loan company to loan to black people I'm gonna stand alongside you and we're gonna protest that mug You know, we're gonna stand together. We will but that's not the case now you showed me the boss who doesn't hire their employee because he's racist, or a black person because he's racist, then we'll both go to that individual and call them to repent and tell him about the good news of the gospel and how God made us all in his image after his likeness. We can we can we'll do that. But that'd be an individual issue. And if he decides to hire that person, praise the Lord. And if he doesn't hire that person, he has the right to. What are you gonna do? You want the government to get involved and tell that person, you got to hire. Well, guess what? We already have that affirmative action and it doesn't help anybody because you may have underqualified blacks getting hired for positions. They really can't handle real, even when it goes to school and then they end up worse than anything else. So, I mean, no, it doesn't help. So the government should not be involved in any of that. It's an individual issue. That's my point in all that. All right. Um, I still didn't make it to the point I want to make it to. And I don't know how long I've been so far, but anyway let's continue
1: the black church has done so well that it doesn't get credit for is this sent more educated missionaries in the culture to change it than any sector of the christian church um when you look at everything i'm, I'm
0: hoping and this is, this is my
1: giving him the benefit of the doubt is
0: that i'm hoping that he's speaking about just america maybe and even america i'll give him some of that but i still don't i don't agree with that but when he says a church i'm hoping that he's just meaning the church in America you know but he's going to bring up vars that the black church didn't do it like themselves it wasn't like a movement but it was that people were discipled within the black church who went on to do great things i mean we could say that about everything but he says that it's, it was done more in the black church uh, I, would, I would like to see the the stats on that but if that's how he feels fine fine i'm not i'm not going to nitpick on that you know what I'm saying cuz the thing is whether it was the done the most or not matters nothing concerning what we're dealing with here because what was going on then and all those things the policies and eb changed and all those things martin luther king the malcolm x's and everything else all those things were happening because there was legislation in place that kept us down personally that was it you know and they and they helped influence those things but guess what at the end of the day at the end of the day who was sovereign? Whose hearts was in the hands of who? And who turned it whichever way they pleased? The Lord. And if the Lord did it 40 years ago, he could have did it 100 years ago. He had a purpose in all of it. We may not want to admit that. That may be a harsh to, to hear that, but that's the truth. The same God who allowed those hearts to turn, to change those policies and all that stuff back then, could have did it before then could have but that's not what he wanted to do it was then so it ain't nothing to do with the black church (laughs) it's god and his sovereignty using particular people to carry out his purposes even if some of them weren't saved that's what that's what god does so i'm not gonna give that credit to the black church because you even he even says that it's not the black church as a movement that did it it was just people that came out of the black church so that basically shows me that God basically pulled certain people from certain places. And maybe maybe for the sake of argument, that it was from a lot of the black churches that they went on to do great things. Well, praise God. It was him. It was him. Which, to get the benefit of the doubt, I think Eric makes would agree with that. you know, he's just trying to make a statement based on a narrative concerning wokeness and what the black church is about, I guess. All right, hopefully we get to this scripture. There's one more scripture I gotta get to, but I, I won't never get there. I keep talking. Here we go.
1: From presidents to political systems to education uh, to, to DA's offices, even though the black church, uh, in church, particularly in that context, didn't necessarily overtly do as a movement what it did, it actually did disciple people enough to go into different systems and change and challenge education to do different things. But I think from there, you go from awareness and uh, then acknowledging, uh, and this applies to both black and white churches, acknowledging that something's wrong and acknowledging what those wrongs are, going from that and then being held accountable to do something about it. Uh, Alright. Yes. We know that something's wrong.
0: Sin. Yes. Yes. Something is wrong. Completely wrong. It's called sin. Sin. That's what's wrong with the world. That's what's wrong with our country. That's what's wrong. That's what's wrong with all of us. It's sin. That's it. That's, that, that was, a matter of fact, when slavery was going on and all that harshness was going on, guess what was wrong with the world then? Sin. Sinful human beings. That's what was wrong with the world. What was happening when blacks weren't, couldn't vote or they were punished for reading or trying to read and whites were punished for trying to teach blacks to read Sin. That's what's wrong. And so now we acknowledge it. Now what do we do about it? What is what does Christ say we do about that? Go therefore, make disciples of every people group, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. That's what he said, do. That's so that's what we're held accountable to do as Christians. To go into this world and proclaim the truth of the gospel That those people who are maybe racist They would turn from their racism And love their neighbor as themselves that's what, that's what we're supposed to do Challenge the systems What? What system? What legislation? Show me That's all we're asking for Other than the individual issues that people have Show me the policies Show me the policies, Show me the laws that's all I want to see.
1: Uh, because it's not enough to be aware and, and you know, and, and to acknowledge that something's wrong. Now you got to be held accountable based on the scriptures to say, now Jesus says, you know, the Bible talks about seek the peace of the city. The Bible talks about, you know what I'm saying? Jesus talks about you mint, you tithe cumin, but you've neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, you know? And so all of those... Uh, y'all, You talked to the
0: Pharisees about how they treated other people. Come on now. He was, Jesus was not challenging them to go and confront the Roman government for how they doing people wrong. That wasn't what he was doing. Those people were acting unjustly towards people. And Jesus challenged them on those things. Yeah, you're being very religious. You're doing all these things. But you don't have no mercy towards anybody. You're not just towards anybody. You have issues. Them. So I think Jesus would agree with what we're saying that these things are individual issues and we should deal with them as such. That's what he did. He went to individuals, told them about themselves, and challenged them. We should do the same thing. Anyway, that was on that point.
1: Uh, you know, all, walking humbly with your God, let justice roll down like water. Um, you've regretted the fast that I desire type stuff. So holding ourselves accountable and then going from there to action. And so from there, beginning developing action plans, not for everything, But choosing a few things that you want to put your hand to the plow really strongly in to be something where I proclaim the gospel through, but I also practice the gospel through. And so you wait a minute, wait a minute.
0: Now, in his book, he made it very clear that activism, yeah, you may be doing this stuff with abortion and all this other stuff, but because you're not doing these things, you're not proclaiming, you're not prophetically speaking against. These injustices, then you're not really doing fulfilling your calling as being a Christian. Like you're not activism, mostly sitting on proclaiming uh, these injustices that are going on against Black people. So therefore, you're not really fulfilling what you're supposed to do as a Christian. I mean, I said it again. I kind of repeated myself then. Like that's that's what he said in the book. But here, he just said, "Hey, not for everything." But whatever it is you find that you can put your hand to do, that you can proclaim the gospel through, and live it. Then why are we having this conversation then? Like, why is the video? Why the book? Because that's what people are doing. Like, those who want to stand against abortion, and that's what they focus on, that's what they spend their resources on, they're putting their hands to do that, they're proclaiming the gospel through that, and they're living that. What about those who stand against sex trafficking, as he brought up earlier? Same thing. Same thing. Now, you got somebody who wants to stand on the corner or stand at the, uh, at the bottom of the courthouse and proclaim that there is injustice. And they want to speak the gospel through it and so forth. Do it. Do it. Nobody's, nobody's saying don't. You know what I'm saying? And so, uh, I, don't, I don't understand that. What's the problem then? Earlier he said that he felt like churches are being apathetic. They're not doing, they're not, they're not being aware of these things. No, they are aware. They are they are aware that people are racist, right? But because they're not doing what you think they should be doing, then there's some error. They're not woken up. Yet you just said that. Hey, I mean, whatever you find to do with your hands, do it. Then why are we having this conversation? Why are we even? Why the, why the interview? Why a book? I don't know. Maybe you see that. Maybe you don't. And if you don't, you can criticize. It's fine. i I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. That's why we need to have the talk. That's why we need to have the talk. For those of you who may watch this who agree with him, you know, that's fine. Let's talk about it.
1: You'll see that in Titus 3. Where he says, Teach our people to meet pressing needs in order that they may not be found unfruitful. That's my favorite
0: All right. He, let's go to this. So this is going to be uh, after this part. I mean, I'm going to speak on it. We're done with it for today. Um, Titus 3. Really want to get to this. Um, he mentions about the last verse or talks about, well, uh, close to last verse teaching them to meet pressing needs to so be fruitful and so on and so forth he's gonna say some more about titus 3 we're gonna discuss titus 3 for a brief moment and then we'll call it a day
1: all right but listen closely at what he says concerning titus 3 favorite verse on like activism because i think when you look at the whole titus chapter 3 from verse 1 all the way down it's in the context of engaging the city because verse 2 says uh, verse 1 says serve your city Serve the authorities of your city. And then it uses the gospel as the mechanism that motivates us as God being the ultimate philanthropist in in his motivation to save us. And so let the gospel motivate us in fruitful gospel actions of good works in our city. So that for me, that's that's where the framework comes from. And that's where it goes. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. good part to end that. That's where the framework framework comes from. And that's where it goes. All right. Does it really let's look at it real quick. I'm still in Acts. Let's look. Let's go to Titus 3. Let's look at Titus 3. Alright. So now knowing that Titus has a context, and I'm not finna go all the way through chapter 2. You can read chapter 2 on your time if you like to. But he's uh I don't know which I don't know which Bible he's reading, brother. I don't I don't know. But um Titus three one, and this is from the ESV. And I tried to look at this, I, I looked at this at the KJV, and I looked at this at other versions. I'm, I couldn't find the way he quoted it there. But what it says here, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. Now, this has nothing to do with the city. That's just period. I mean, you should be ready for every good work. Christian, he's talking to believers. Remind believers to be submissive to rulers and authorities. To be obedient, to be ready for every good work. To speak evil of no one. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Some people are already breaking that. Somebody ain't read down the chapter two, I mean, verse two. Speak evil of no one. To avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. Still, not specifically to your city, just period. As a Christian, this is how you should be. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, and hating one another. So now Paul is going to the reason, the gospel. We once were the same. We once were evil, and so on and so forth. Now, once again, for those of you, may not think he's talking to believers. He said they were once this way. All right? So these people are born again. So they should not. He's holding them accountable to be, be different than how they used to be. Verse 4. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the... Oh, there we go. Got it. Uh, according to the hope of eternal life Let me scroll down this Alright The saying is trustworthy And I want you to insist on these things So that those who have believed in God May be careful to devote themselves to good works Once again A Christian You should devote yourself to good works What is a good work? Standing against injustice True injustice Not made up injustices But true injustices That is a good work. What's another good work? Standing up against the injustice of abortion. That's a good work. What's another good work? Stand up against the injustice of sex trafficking. That's a good work. What else is a good work? A good work is also building that school that he talked about earlier. That's a good work. What's another one? The food pantry. Talked about that earlier. That's a good work. What else can we name? This is what we're supposed to do. Devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. But avoid foolish controversies. Uh, Well, we ain't doing that. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. Now, Paul went into the gospel, and then he went into some more, like, Uh, commands here as far what you should do with somebody who's the vet who's divisive and so and so forth but then he gives well this says final instructions let's not you don't have to go by the the title of that part we can just go into the scriptures he's finna end his uh, letter here and so let's go into the context of what paul was saying about devoting to good works and so and so forth it says uh verse 12 when i send artemis uh, 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 uh artemis yeah Or uh, Tychicus, I I butchered that name. I'm sorry. When I send them to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, if I pronounced that right, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Do your best to send Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way. See that they lack nothing. All right. So who's who's to lack nothing? Apollos, Zenos. Hey, do your best. You know what I'm saying? Hey, see that they lack nothing and let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All right, now in this context, now you may say, hey, Jamal, you add to that, but if you look at a different version, they put this context as being Paul speaking solely against, I mean, not against, but solely for uh, making sure the people have what they need when they're going on these trips, because he wanted them to go To come quickly to them and make sure they don't lack anything. So this is a pressing need. So he encourages people to devote themselves to good works and see that uh, in cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. All right. So it's good for them to help their fellow brethren in Christ to get somewhere. All right. Help them out. That's the context. That's the immediate context here. Now we can say, outside of that, practically, yes, we can. We we should devote ourselves to good works as we're instructed to earlier within this chapter. Devote yourself to good works, and therefore, you won't be unfruitful. Like, that's good. So, where's the issue? He says it's a thing pushing for activism. I mean, it could, but it's not that. Good works is not just activism. It's not just activism. It could be. It could be a part of it, but it's not just. And so, because it's not just, that means, guess what? The Christian who stands against abortion, sex trafficking, who has the food pantry and everything else They're obeying the scriptures They're not in disobedience That's the, that's the case y'all So what are we arguing here What are we doing You know, Now we talk about justice Once again We're going to disagree as far as what's considered Unjust we, Because we have to look at the standard What's the standard of justice According to the scriptures What is considered just and unjust That's, that's where the difference is going to lie all right. Anyway, that's all for today's show. Um, please like, share, and subscribe if you haven't already. Um, remember to the, uh, the you, know, you can contact me if you you contact me by phone or email if you have anything that you want to uh, criticize concerning the video or whatnot. Please, I'm welcome to it. I'm open to conversations as uh, long as they're respectful. I gotta gotta say that. Um, yeah, so remember. This world is full of errors, but the only thing that the doctor prescribes is truth. Patrons, if you're um, available, stay tuned for the post show afterwards. I'll talk to you guys soon. Grace and peace. Prescribe truth, we giving you what the doctor ordered Jamal Bandy, apologist, the Lord's servant We undeserving, but Christ changed our mind frame In a world full of errors, the only thing the doctor prescribes is truth